2: Cynthia Rogers. It's time to get it off our chest as we discuss the issues breast cancer and other cancer survivors face. Come along on our journey. We are survivors. Welcome to Boob Talk. I'm your host, Cynthia Rogers. Thank you for joining me this evening. For tonight's show, we are going to be discussing a topic I think a lot of cancer survivors have questions about, and that is oncology massage and lymphatic drainage therapy. Our special guest tonight is Amy Hartle. She is a breast cancer survivor, a licensed massage therapist, and a lymphatic drainage therapist. Amy, welcome to Boob Talk.
1: Hi, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm really happy to be with you.
2: Well, thank you for joining us this evening to talk about this subject. So for some of us, you may have heard about oncology massage or the lymphatic drainage uh, therapy. Now, I know for myself, until I got cancer, I never heard of of really either one. And really, I really really still don't fully understand all that is involved. So can you tell our listeners what is oncology massage?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. So oncology massage really is based around, a, it's based in traditional massage techniques, but it's, it's really about understanding uh, various cancers and, and cancer treatment and how they affect the body and how we as massage therapists need to work with individuals based on, you know, whatever the client's uh, individual situation is to modify traditional techniques to make them safe and effective. As you know, you know, we go through so much with cancer, right? We not only, not only whatever the situation is with the actual cancer uh, diagnosis, but, but the treatment that we go through often, you know, the surgeries and radiation and chemotherapy often have lifelong after effects that um, inevitably change sometimes the way our body functions. And and there's certain things about traditional massage that could have an impact on that. And so being able to modify things like pressure, you know, making sure that pressure is light enough um, when necessary, or the direction of the stroke, working away from areas that may be compromised due to radiation or um, lymph node removal. Uh, We can adjust for position. So say someone has had a recent surgery uh, in the case of breast cancer, they may not be able to lie face down comfortably like is common in a a normal massage. So we can make sure that the person is comfortable laying face up and still really
2: do a very effective massage. So what are the benefits of oncology massage as opposed to just a, a regular massage?
1: Well, you know, much like much like massage for for some, for a non cancer patient, um, it, it's it's really pretty individual. But a lot of this, there's a lot of crossover. I personally think one of the greatest things that comes from massage therapy for any person is the ability to uh, to relax, to to have some time in a safe environment where we can kind of set aside our our worries in life for a little bit and just. Focus on receiving, caring touch. Um, you know, I think that um, I like to think that one of the greatest things I do for my clients is hold space. And there is a whole physiological component to that. Well, you know, one of the things that we that we know we do with massage therapy is engage the parasympathetic nervous system, and that's the that's the half of the nervous system that we sometimes call rest and digest. It's the opposite of fight or flight. So relaxation is a huge component for oncology massage because obviously there tends to be a lot of anxiety, there can be fear, so helping someone find some moments of peace and calm is really important. Um, beyond that, we act, studies actually show that for someone going through cancer treatment or afterwards, that an oncology massage can reduce pain, it can reduce nausea, it uh, can help, help a client sleep better, um, and it can sometimes help with fatigue. And then certainly there's more specific things like reducing, you know, helping to minimize scar tissue. Um, there are uh, thing, techniques that we can do to help with, uh, you know, reducing risk of lymphedema, which I'll get into a little bit with more with lymphatic drainage. But there's there's a number of benefits that uh, both anecdotal and well documented.
2: Okay, so that's um, very uh, good information to know. I guess I kind of now, this is mom making me think, because before I got cancer, I was seeing just a regular licensed massage therapist for some back issues that I have. Mm-hmm. I have a herniated disc and sciatica, so I was already seeing you a know, massage therapist through my chiropractor's office. And then when mm-hmm. I got cancer, you know, I had to go through chemo radiation, so I stopped going. But then after, you know, when I started feeling well enough, probably about maybe a year and a half later, I started going back for my back. And, you know, I, I had really no idea about really oncology massage, but, you know, during my massages, you know, I had explained to my therapist, you know, what had happened to me because, you know, I just went MIA. So she, mm-hmm. you know, would be very gentle with me. As far as laying um, on my stomach, she has a special pillow that I, you know, can lay on for her to work on me. She, you know, she's very sensitive. Um, she was, you know, working like I had a, a scar where my port was. You know, she would massage yep. that area. So now I'm wondering is it also beneficial for me to also have oncology massage or should I just stick with regular massage? Or, you know, if someone is also in my situation, what would you suggest we do? Right. It's a great question. And it's, it's an important question because, what,
1: what often happens, and I think anyone who's been through cancer recognizes this, is that, you know, as we, as we move into the rest of life after cancer, which is, you know, basically survivorship, you know, everything that comes after, um, there are still so many lasting impacts to our body. Uh, you know, some people, um, it, it really depends on your individual situation. For most people who've been through major surgery and radiation and chemotherapy, I would always recommend that you seek out someone who is trained in oncology massage, uh, if not okay. lymphatic drainage, at least oncology massage. And the reason for that is, you know, it's it's really not just about – it sounds like your therapist was is doing a good job with communicating with you and, and meeting your needs, but – not all therapists always think in terms of that and it's it's not just about using lighter pressure. You know, I've heard that sometimes. Like, well, I'll just okay, I'll just use lighter pressure. The other thing that can happen is that um there's a there's a there's a long standing history in massage therapy and in foundational programs and schools where when we're learning the basics of massage, we're we're taught like we don't often work with uh, prenatal clients who are early in their pregnancy because of possible risk. You know, we're taught not to work with cancer patients. So some therapists are actually shy. I mean, I know people, I know even myself as a survivor uh, called recently to a local therapist. Um, and I, I didn't explain who I was as a therapist because I really was calling as a as a patient. And I, and I was hoping to get in. And I did ask about, I said, you know, I have a cancer history. And she actually refused to see me because, because of um, she had the belief that, that the possibility of spreading any kind of cancer creating a recurrence, which is absolutely unfounded. There, there's, there's no, you know, it is no longer a that massage can in any way spread cancer, you know, from any kind of mechanical um, manipulation. It just doesn't, that's not how it works. It's, it's a biological process. So, you know, that's another reason that working with someone who's trained is important because they actually have the training around how cancer functions as on a, like on a cellular biological level, granted on a high level, but, it, but at least to understand that. And they know even years out what, what impacts to the body um, carry lifetime risks and what things might, you know, might be okay after a while we look at what we call activities of daily living. So if someone is, you know, healthy and, and active and doing great and, you know, they go to the gym all the time and they're they're super uh, physical in their lives, they, they probably, you know, are going to be okay with general massage. But if they've had lymph nodes removed or radiation, technically they're still at risk for something like lymphedema. You know, there could be... Um, from chemotherapy there could be increased uh, bone fragility and and things like that need to be taken into consideration so an oncology massage therapist no matter how far out you are from your cancer treatment my mom is 30 plus years out from her breast cancer treatment and i still prefer she come to see me or someone like me versus a, a, a you know a standard massage therapist because we know the questions to ask about that history it's amazing how often people actually forget certain parts of their own medical history and don't take them into consideration when a trained therapist will know what questions to ask to make sure that they are keeping the work they do with you safe and effective.
2: You brought up some uh, very good points. Um, you're making me remember, recall uh, my mother Was a two-time breast cancer survivor She just passed away in April But when she first got Diagnosed 16 years ago I remember after all of her treatments We wanted to treat her to a massage And she was told at the time You know, if You've had breast cancer, you know They weren't going to work on her So, you know, you just Mm -hmm. made a very good point You know, how far That was like 16 years ago How far things have, have changed And now, um Moving forward now, when you're just speaking about lymphedema, can you briefly now uh, discuss what is lymphedema and then a follow-up with what is lymphatic drainage therapy?
1: Sure. So we have a piece of our, our whole system is, you know, we have different different organ systems in the body, and we have one called the lymphatic system. It's part of our circulatory system, and it works in part with our cardiovascular components. So the, you know, most people are familiar with uh, cardiovascular system being our heart and our blood you know, veins and arteries that run all over our body and carry blood where where it needs to go. We also have this network of, um, excuse me, of vessels, lymph vessels and lymph nodes. Most people are familiar with a lymph node. Maybe if they, uh, you know, We're sick as a kid and sometimes they call it swollen glands, like around under the jawline or behind the ears. Um, We have clusters of those lymph nodes in various parts of our body. Commonly uh, the the biggest clusters are in our armpits and in our inguinal area, like where the leg meets the thigh, the the leg meets the torso at the groin. And then we also have about 300 lymph nodes in our deep abdomen. our, as our blood flows through our, our veins and our arteries and, and through the vessels, uh, the, our blood pressure causes fluid to get pushed out through those vessels into the spaces between cells. And that becomes this kind of a plasma-like uh, fluid. It's, it's kind of thick. It's kind of, kind of sticky. And it picks up things in our body that don't need to be there. It picks up bacteria and virus. Um, it picks up things, toxins, things that are other that need to be filtered out of the body and so it moves what happens is it's in these like betweens between our cells. it gets sucked back into these these delicate vessels called the lymph lymphatic vessels. It gets carried throughout the body to the various lymph node clusters where those lymph nodes clean the, the, clean the the fluid and then the bad stuff gets taken and filtered out, and the, the, the good fluid gets pumped back into the body and starts over again. And, and this is also in tandem with our immune system because our lymphatic system actually uh, helps produce white cells, which fight infection. And what happens is, it's, the thing is, it's, it's a very delicate system. The vessels are all very superficial, um, kind of just below the surface of the skin and above muscle, and it doesn't have its own pump, like our heart so it relies on muscle movement and and just kind of the nature of what it does blood pressure all these all these delicate movements help move the fluid where it needs to go and into the vessels and because it's such a delicate structure when when it's compromised you can end up with this backup of fluid so some people are familiar with maybe having at the end of a long day, maybe their ankles and feet swell a little bit, or if you've been on a plane for a yes. long time, that's a, that's a form of what we call edema. And so okay. lymphedema is this, is this viscous fluid that in, in say, in the ca- example of breast cancer patients, when we have lymph nodes removed under an arm in our armpit or radiation in that area, you're basically taking a machine and either removing a piece of it or damaging a piece of it and so you know the fluid can't get it doesn't flow and filter and process like it's meant to and it can back up which creates um a swelling and so you know the arm is say an example of an uh, upper extremity extremity of an arm the arm will swell it can become heavy feeling and painful and if it's not if it's not managed or or taken care of it can cause Serious problems you know it can it can actually um, you can lose integrity of the skin people can have weeping wounds it it really becomes debilitating so it's really important to stay on top of it and and to manage it and the heart the sad thing about lymphedema right now is that there's lymphatics is a relatively new uh, area of, of study in Western medicine so there's still not as much known about it as we'd like there's not hardcore statistics on you know, who's, there's not real tight statistics on, like, what people's risk level are. Um, and it, and it's really not clear why some people can have lymph nodes removed and radiation and they won't get lymphedema. But then you can have a woman, say, who had a couple of lymph nodes removed and no radiation, and she will get it. And so understanding it is really important. And lymph drainage is one of the ways that we can help to manage if someone is having having an issue with lymphedema it's basically a very light gentle touch um, physical manipulation of the skin it's, it's different than massage it's sometimes referred to as lymphatic massage or lymphatic drainage massage but really lymphatic drainage is its own separate technique than than massage therapy um, but it is hands-on and you, it involves uh, a very rhythmic protocol where we are moving fluid, we engage lymph nodes in functioning parts of the body, and then we we try to work to move the fluid out of the affected limb and move that fluid, you know, bypassing the um, the malfunctioning area and moving it to other parts of the body where it can properly be processed.
2: Okay, uh, let me share my lymphatic <laughs> issues. That I've had with sure. lymphedema uh, about, okay. I'd say probably it was like a year after I was done with my chemo and radiation, I got the mm-hmm. flu and mm-hmm. all of a sudden one morning I woke up and the side of, um, I actually had to have a lumpectomy for part of my treatment, but um, okay. that breast when I woke up one morning was like the size of a balloon. And I was in so much pain, and I'm like, oh my God, what the heck is going on? So I called my oncologist. You know, I came in, they examined me, and they said, this is lymphedema. And then I, you know, they sent me, I didn't, and then at the time, I had no idea they had, you know, a clinic that specialized in lymphedema. And, you know, I was taught different massages and techniques that I could do, you know, to alleviate the problem. I was told, you know, that I needed to get a support bra to help with the the problem. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I did all that. And to a certain extent, it still, to me, seems like it's bigger than the other, even though my surgeon said that that was normal. But still, sometimes Mm -hmm. I can just feel like a little bit of heaviness. And then I've also mm-hmm. noticed probably within like the last couple of years, whenever I fly now, my arm will swell. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm starting mm-hmm. to have other issues. And I did have, you know, I think it was, I think it's time I had like six lymph nodes removed. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, been dealing with this issue. So, you know, I didn't yeah. really know anything about lymphatic drainage, you know, massage either. I was just, you know told oh you you can yeah. you know here's some techniques you can use to you know massage myself and that and that
1: was right. it yeah I'm I'm sorry to hear that you have you've had to deal with that um it is it is one of the things that frustrates me both professionally and personally uh that women are not educated about this up front it's it's usually not until they're dealing with it that they become familiar and um you know in, in my personal opinion with my personal both professionally and my personal experience and background i i wish that every woman who went through breast cancer and and most cancer patients to be honest even even outside of breast cancer because so often can, you know someone who is diagnosed with cancer depending on where it is in the body they will have lymph nodes uh, biopsies because they you know because checking for the spread they will have radiation and and that that generally is are the two major components that would put someone at risk of lymphedema. Um, women who have gynecological cancers are often at risk for uh, le- lymphedema in their legs. And I'm glad, you, you know, I, I am glad that you were able to to bring up the point that it's not just always an arm or a leg, that sometimes women will have what we call truncal lymphedema. So in the breast or down the side of the torso, down the side body, um, it can occur there. And uh, yeah, it's, it is. It's frustrating to me that we're not proactively educated and have to deal with it kind of after the fact. Um, flying is definitely a, a potential risk factor. So, you know, basically, it's interesting that you said that about the having the flu and, and that was kind of your experience. Um, it's it, it seems it's things like things that can cause inflammation because things like heat or flying where you're in that that pressurized, you know, the cabin where, where everything kind of changes from a pressure standpoint um, and even the flu, anything that draws fluid to an area. So, you know, if your body was fighting the flu, and basically that's a that's a viral infection, your body's going to start working hard and it's going to kick your immune system into into overdrive trying to fight that virus. And and it's uh, it's possible. It's not something I've heard a lot of, but it also isn't doesn't seem far-fetched to me that that your body in response was sending um, you know sending cells and fluid and different things to the places that that's the reason why like when you get sick as a kid with a cold or a strep throat your glands swell because your your those lymph nodes are trying to to filter the virus out you know filter and clean it out of you to get it out of your system Um So yeah, it is. It it's frustrating, and and especially because like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's it's really what it is. It's it's a backup. It's it's a it's a kink in the works, and it's a backup. And it is. It's it's not. Even though your doctor's saying, well, it's just kind of it seems normal, or it is like it is. It's very common that um, even women who have it pretty well managed, you know, maybe maybe you don't have to wear a sleeve all the time, or you don't have to. You know, you're not at the point of needing pumps or, or compression garments, but it, it's very common that even women who are dealing or even people who are dealing with managed lymphedema um, that's mostly under control will have flare-ups and, and some people get to know their triggers. You know, it might be a day like yesterday here in Buffalo when it was, felt like it was 90 degrees and 100% humidity. <laughs> um, right. You know, things like that will flare it up for some people or so, so understanding kind of what sets it off for you is, is
2: helpful. So with that being said, is there a cure for this or are we going to have to just deal with this for the rest of our lives or what can we do?
1: Yeah, right now um and you know to to my knowledge there there is no cure. Um there are evolving um studies. There are there there you know, scientists out there are doing the work to see what they can do. Um, I've heard some different things over the, over the past few years about the possibility of a pill. I know there are some surgical techniques that are being uh, explored and, and done. No, um, no more surgery. You know, some, <laughs> I know, right? I'm with you Unless you, you have it really um, but, bad. I, like, yeah. Oh, that's,
2: and that's, and that's
1: that's true for the most part. I mean, for those those people are there is most people who end up with lymphedema end up with what we call secondary lymphedema and that is because of uh, like a mechanical you know malfunction because of something like cancer treatment or surgery. There is something called primary lymphedema where people just kind of spontaneously get it for no apparent reason and are even possibly born with it. And um you know, those are the people who tend to, the people who have run out, who aren't able to manage it to their own comfort and um, have run out of every other option tend to be the ones seeking the more extreme measures. But at this point, the the best thing that, that people are able to do as far as management is work with a, a lymphatic therapist, work with, you know, physical therapists, wear garments if needed, and
2: learn the self-care techniques for at home. Okay. So in my case now that I'm noticing when I fly I'm having this issue should yeah. I get what they call a sleeve I
1: would I would recommend it um the important thing though about any kind of garment like that like a compression sleeve is and some people wear compression socks when they fly like if they have trouble with you know with their ankles swelling or if they right. have an issue with clotting so it's kind of the same thing um but if if you if you have a problem with lymphedema, there's, there's different theories about whether or not you should wear a sleeve if you have never actually been diagnosed with lymphedema. Uh, I've, I've, you know, even among professionals, I've, I've heard differing opinions. Um, it, but, but it's pretty, it's a pretty standard, um, I think, agreed upon idea that if, if you've actually had trouble with lymphedema, then wearing a sleeve when you fly is a good idea. You want to, though, make sure uh-huh. that you get measured properly. Like you don't okay. really just want to order something off of Amazon or off of the internet because okay. if it's not, if it's not fitted properly, you can actually cause more issues. There are, what I, what I recommend is working with a lymphatic therapist to, to get your measurements. And if you want something more interesting than a, you know, the plain um, flesh colored garment, you can, like there's a company called Lymphadivas and online and they have some really cool patterns i mean some of them look like tattoos some of them look like lace like they're 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 pretty actually impressive and and so once you know you know what your measurements are and what level of compression you need then you can order something you know that might be prettier that's going to make you make you feel um feel better if if that's what if that's what you like but it is important that's pretty cool yeah yeah, but it is important if you're considering a sleeve. It's important to work with a professional so that you get okay. measured properly.
2: Yeah. Okay. So how does someone even begin to find a therapist? I mean, can you just, just Google it or look it up in your area? Or, you know, would your cancer yeah. center have information? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because like I said, yeah. I had no idea. And I know a lot, I yeah. I know a lot of survivors I see and you know a lot of the breast cancer groups you know they are having issues and they don't know what to do because it mm-hmm. just seems like yeah. no one is really talking about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I would say the the easiest thing to do is start with your cancer center. You know, start with your okay. start with your doctors uh, because if they have You know, often if they have any kind of rehabilitation clinic, like I know here in Buffalo, Roswell Park, we have a rehab center, and in that in that rehab center, not only there's physical therapists, there's occupational therapists, and we have two certified lymphatic therapists. And And that's where I went. That's where they went. Okay, go downstairs. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep, and so and so they will have the ability. The, you know, those those type, what's called a CLT, a certified lymphatic therapist, will have the ability to um, not only do some manual lymphatic drainage with you and work with you. They will also have the ability to take all your measurements. They can help you with garment fittings. If you were, if someone was in to the point where they needed where what we call bandaging, where they're actually wrapping um, to compress the arm and then putting maybe a pump on or if they needed to order more advanced equipment, starting there is a good place um, because the likelihood is also that, you know, if you have health insurance, that, that it might be covered through that um, because they're actually usually affiliated with, uh, with insurances and they, they bill out and all of that sort of thing. If if you're not at that point, like if you or if you find out for some reason that your center, you know, your local doctor doesn't have any recommendations for you, then I would say start Googling. You wanna find someone who you might find you might find a, a, a full certified lymphatic therapist in private practice. More likely what you're gonna find is someone like myself, a certified manual lymphatic drainage therapist. And so what that means is I work with so I tend to work with women who are either at risk. For, for lymphedema or are in early stages where they're dealing with symptoms like heaviness, some pain, and, and mild swelling. Because manual lymphatic drainage is the physical technique that we do to help move the fluid along. And, then, and so what I do is I work with women to do that, and then I teach them, you know, how, how to also do it themselves. And, and usually for the, for the stage of lymphedema that I work with, that's enough, you know, or, or the, maybe they've already, sometimes women have already, uh, people have already gone and worked with a lymphatic therapist at their cancer center, but their insurance has run out or they've kind of done everything they can. And so maybe they'll work with someone like me to for maintenance, you know, someone to have to, to come to more often. And, you know, the, the hard part is that when you're working with someone like myself in private practice, we're not always set up to set, to take insurance. So it is private pay. The upside to that is that we are not bound by time limits or certain prescriptive um, protocols. You know, I can I can do lymphatic drainage within a full hour oncology session. So I can either spend all the time doing that specific work or we can make it part of a broader session, which means that, um, you know, you're getting some of the benefit. Like, like coming to a mas- an oncology massage therapist who's also a lymphatic drainage therapist is going to be, a much more enjoyable, relaxing experience than going to a cancer center and spending your your fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or whatever it is, you know, fully closed in a, in a hospital setting. So there are right, some differences, but there's benefits to both.
2: So I wanted to then ask you because of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. there may be an issue with people that need help but cannot go to see a therapist, is there anything yeah. that we can do for our own self-care at this time? Or even if yeah. we're at a point where it's not that bad, where it could be manageable? Right.
1: So, yeah, it's tough right now because, like, for example, myself as a massage therapist, even though I work in this specialized setting and I work with people who, who you know, this is a part often a part of their health care, Um, I am not considered essential and it's really not safe for me to be in close proximity with, you know, with my clients. Um, So like right now in New York state, we have not yet been greenlighted to reopen. I believe it's finally going to happen next week, but I know personally I am probably going to be holding off for a little while. Um, So as far as what you can do for yourself, some, uh, some lymphatic therapists are like, I know there are people out there who are doing telehealth visits. So it might still be okay. possible to actually interact with a with a, a therapist and and to do a virtual visit where you know we were able to kind of see what's going on with you and talk through your history and maybe even give you some uh, demonstrations on on what you can do for yourself. Um, oh, that's a great there idea. Are yeah, that, that's where I would recommend starting is to see if you could find a virtual visit with someone in the meantime. Um, I will say that there are, you know, you can, you can Google anything these days. So you can find uh, video demonstrations out there. I, I think Sloan Kettering has one. I think there's MD Anderson I think has one. There are some demonstration videos out there that demonstrate how to do um, the, some lymphatic, some self-care lymphatic drainage. I'm a little hesitant to recommend them, even though I, I'm I love free resources. And the reason I'm a little hesitant to recommend them is because we are we are individuals, and our that what we go, right. what we go through with cancer treatment in our bodies is individual. And there's so many nuances to you know if someone has had like in a, say in a case of a woman who's a two-time breast cancer survivor, and if she ended up having both, tissue um, so cancer in, in both breasts at separate times, and ultimately ended up with you know, two different courses of treatment, which means both of her her armpits, her both of her axles may have been affected, that completely changes how you work with that person and how you safely do limb strange with them. And that's going to be a lot harder to find than just kind of standard, um, you know, standard video demonstration. Right, that's Plus, true. With an online video, you don't have the ability to ask questions, you don't have the ability to really understand if you're using the right level of pressure, like, are you doing the technique properly? So, so in all, whenever possible, I would try to find an actual person to speak
2: with and work with. Okay, that's great advice. So let me ask you this, Amy, how did you become yeah. involved with oncology massage and lymphatic drainage therapy? okay well I am um, I also
1: have a, a long family history of breast cancer as I mentioned my mom she was 38 and she was diagnosed and she's 70 now um, and before her my grandmother went through it and to my knowledge my great-grandmother and I believe my great-great grandmother uh, so we have a we have a long-standing family history of, of women on my mom's side going through breast cancer so I grew up at high risk I had my first mammogram when I was 23 Um, and when I was 30 I started having alternating mammograms and MRIs every six months and um, so I spent I spent most of my life in some way kind of under the shadow of breast cancer under the threat of it. Were you fearful? A little I mean yes and no I don't I don't think I lived every day in fear, but I I will say that I, you know, especially now I'm back, I, I know that it had an impact on me. I know it, it shaped certain decisions that I made in my life. You know, I, I definitely went through periods of hypochondria where I worried about other parts of my body because it just always seemed inevitable, but I was never, you know, now I'm, I'm 44 and, and these days there's actually such an amazing, um, collection of, of young women out there, you know they call themselves pre who are have known genetic mutations who are actually taking pretty pretty strong measures of doing prophylactic surgeries and I was when I was growing up uh, it was it was when breast cancer or, or anything like that could still be considered a pre-existing condition so from an insurance standpoint, even my doctors advised me not to get tested so I didn't actually confirm my BRCA1 positive status until I was, um, 40. So, and, uh, I ended up getting diagnosed when I was 41, but because of all this, you asked how I got into my profession, um, because of all of this, you know, this, this family history, when I, I went to massage school when I was 35 and I, I loved the idea. I've, I've always been a big fan of massage, and I think touch is just one of the most important things that we can have in life. I think human connection through physical touch is really necessary. And I, when I went through massage therapy school, I discovered that there was this whole subset called oncology massage, and it fascinated me. Um, I actually had the opportunity to work with a dear friend at that time who was diagnosed with ALS and was um, living with and dying from that. And having the opportunity to work with someone who was in a critical health situation and facing life-ending illness or life-limiting illness um, was humbling and rewarding. And I found that I had the capacity to do it. Um, and I, I believe it's funny because you know we all get to choose different paths in life and, and kind of find what fits us. and with massage therapy there's people who love working with athletes and that was never my thing or you know they love um working in a spa setting and and that was never my thing and right okay because because yeah so because I had the you know because I felt comfortable and drawn to it I kind of felt like that was where I needed to put my energy so that's how I got involved in in college massage that was back in 2012 I I got licensed and then I started doing additional training for oncology massage. I did trainings on breast cancer specifically. I began working with clients, um, you know, people who were in active treatment as well as women who were survivors and um, took it from there. And, and I love the work I've been, I've been doing it for over eight years. And then ultimately I was diagnosed myself uh, in 2017 and, you know, all of that professional experience and background really helped me in making informed decisions because of my training and hearing stories from clients you know when i when I had to face certain questions about my choices and my options, I had a lot of information and i wasn't I wasn't blindsided like so many women are when it comes to to breast cancer and uh, and i'm I feel grateful for that because you know it it let me um, feel confident in the choices I made and after I went through it all, I did a lot of soul searching, and I had to figure out if I was still comfortable working in this space, because I think as anyone who goes through cancer knows, it, it stays with you even once the cancer's gone. And, you know, we kind of have to face our our own mortality for the rest of our lives and fear of recurrence. And I, I did a lot of heartfelt soul searching and just decided I was more more drawn and more passionate about working in this space than, than I'd ever been before. Um so, yeah, that's that's where my efforts have been focused for a long time and continue to be.
2: What a great calling. And as soon as we're clear, I need to come see you to have you work on me. Yeah. I would love <laughs> that. I would absolutely love that. So let me ask you, ask you this. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Um, you're the founder of As We Are Now. What is this organization yes. about? Well, you know what, honestly,
1: so as we are now, really stems from a lot of the conversation we've already been having tonight. Uh, I, One of the things that I think that I hear from most women who go through breast cancer, um, and, and I did experience personally, is that, you know, we call it we're, we're survivors once we've been through it, right? Whether we're living with it still, like someone, say, who has metastatic disease, or we're declared cancer-free, we're considered survivors. To me, it always feels like I was surviving when I was going through treatment. You know, that was the part when you just show up. You, you do what you're told. The doctors, you know, lay out a, lay out a plan, and, and every day you just have to show up and get through. And, and so many women, I think, expect to come out of it on the other side. They're done with their surgery. They're done with chemo. They're done with radiation. And they think they're just going to bounce back and feel like themselves again. And it so often doesn't work that way. You know, right. survivorship and and moving moving into what we if you want to call it a new normal, if you want to call it life, like whatever.
2: Exactly. It's
1: it's so it's such a process, and it's such an it's such an ongoing process. And I mean, I I've met many women who almost experience like a post event letdown where where they 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 struggle more emotionally once everything's done, and and that's the time when all of a sudden you've gone from appointments, you know. Sometimes every you know you're either every two weeks, every week, every even week. every day when you're in radiation, <laughs> right? And yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we'll see you in three months. Call us if you need right. anything before then. You get dropped like
2: a hot potato.
1: Yeah, women feel cast aside. It it you feel like you're lost in the shuffle, and especially especially, you know, with women in breast cancer when we've had these light, these, these body-altering surgeries. And for some of us who go through menopause at a, you know at an unexpected age, I opted to have my ovaries out with my surgery because of risk of ovarian cancer, which also runs in my family. And I was comfortable making that decision, and I certainly knew I was going to go into menopause. But I only knew some of, you know, this is a thing that women need to start talking about much more openly, too, because, you know, we talk about hot flashes and mood swings. There's a lot of other issues with menopause that don't get spoken about on a a public level and and things that affect young women even more and um, that aren't talked about. And so, you know, between that, that feeling like there's this lack of support in that, especially in the early stages of survivorship, as well as lack of information and education around lymphedema. I mean, in my opinion, every woman who goes through breast cancer surgery and treatment should at least be provided with a baseline appointment with a certified lymphatic therapist to talk about risk, to talk about triggers, so that she can understand. I mean, every woman should be able to understand some, at least, you know, her generalized risk and and what could cause things. So that she knows what to look out for and what symptoms are and how to go from there so that you're not left on your own to figure out, well, wait, why am I waking up one day like, my arm is What the heck
2: is going what on? What the heck? Where like did this we, come we from? Ended Yeah. Up, right. We end up being blindsided. And then, blindsided. you know, yep. they they know. They just don't want to say anything. And then when you bring something up, oh, well, yes, this is, you know, I've had this happen to me. Oh, well, yeah, that is a side effect. Or, oh, yeah, this is a side effect. Oh, there's nothing you can really do about it. And, like, what do you mean? You know, that's when you have to just be an advocate for yourself. That's right. That's right. And I think that,
1: you know, I think one of the challenges is, as I mentioned, lymphatics is a young, relatively young in the field, in the general of Western medicine. There's still so much that's unknown. You know, and and medicine is highly specialized these days. And I'm I'm all for that. I mean I want my surgeon to know to be a surgeon. I want my medical oncologist to understand chemotherapy and and you know tumor genomes and all of that. But they aren't taught a lot about lymphedema because they're not lymphatic specialists, even though it falls within their within their you know scope of generalized practice. And and I, um, it's it's frustrating to me. And so what ended up happening was over time, the last couple of years, I knew that you know I knew that I felt strongly about this, and I found myself doing so much education with my uh, with my oncology clients about their risk. You know, women coming in and saying to me, "Well, no, my my doctor said I don't have to worry about that because I only had a sentinel node biopsy." Or, "Well, I I wasn't really told anything about that," you know, and. Um, so I I started working on this back in the fall and, and have launched it this um, this spring. And the other the other thing, the reason that I created this program and this this um, business is because I can only impact. I love what I do, working hands on. I think it's so important, as I said, for human touch. But I, I have a limited ability to impact the world at large. You know, I, I can only work with one person at a time. And of course, locally here in Buffalo, and then you throw in something like a global pandemic and I can't work with anyone. And so I I knew even before the pandemic, that this was something I wanted to find a path around and I wanted to broaden my reach and and my focus. And so as we are now is um, based on, it's a, I have an online private membership community as well as a six week what I call body empowerment program. And it is all about helping women recover, reconnect, and reclaim relationship with their bodies beyond breast cancer. And I don't even like to necessarily say after breast cancer because I'm very, I try to be very thoughtful about not ever having a woman who is living with metastatic disease feel excluded like she can't because there are plenty of thrivers out there who are living, you know, active, uh, like healthy lives but are still managing metastatic concerns and, and they are still at risk for lymphedema so um, so my program is focused on uh, on body image reconnecting with the body and how to, how to love yourself again um, you know to spin through how to establish a strong relationship with the body as well as teaching you know good information and tactical um, tactical hands-on uh, protocols that, that a woman can do. To, to mitigate or to help manage her risk. And that's what I'm really aiming at is, you know, certainly working with women who maybe are in the early stages of lymphedema, but even more, helping women who are at risk so that they don't end up with, with it in the long run. Or at least give women the information so that they can make informed decisions. Like hot tubs is something I see a lot of debate about. Um, you know, hot, tub, hot, hot water, hot tubs
2: saunas, things like I that. I was are... in the hot tub yesterday.
1: Yeah. So and I'm not sorry, that's it. I don't want to say don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, I, I tried really hard. I, I tried really hard to eliminate the word should for my vocabulary a long time ago. So I'm not going to say you shouldn't do that or whatever, but, but physiologically heat is what we call a vasodilator. It opens up vessels. So it tends to draw fluid to an area, blood flow, right? That's why, like, when some, if your skin gets hot, if you're in a hot bath or a hot shower, your skin turns all pink and maybe a little bit plumped up looking, that's because that hot water has actually drawn blood to the surface, and, and it will also draw that lymph fluid. So if you were someone who dealt with a lot of you know, with edema and you went and sat, in a, or you were at risk, and you went and sat in a hot tub for a long period of time and you were submerged up to your neck, there is the potential that that could be a trigger, whether to cause it for the first time or to inflame an existing situation and again, I'm not saying that that means you can't ever go in a hot tub again, but what I do think is that you should have the information so that you can make that decision i i've I still have gone in a hot tub every once in a while, but i I kind of watch how long I'm in there. I kind of watch that my my You know, the side that's affected isn't submerged too long. You know, I've been in a sauna, but I also know the information, and I know how to work with my body afterwards. You know, when I I went to New Zealand and Australia this winter, and that's a a lot of flights. You know, I had three different flights. The longest leg was 13 hours. And so, as you mentioned, flying can be an issue, cause, you know, cause a flare-up or an issue. But I know how to do my own MLD, my own manual lymphatic drainage, that when I get off that plane, I can actually work with my body. I understand what, you know, what I might be feeling and I can work with my body to help reduce the possible, you know, the chances of that occurring. And there's no reason that women shouldn't have that, those abilities to be empowered in their own self-care. We, you know, as patients, we are so reliant on other people. And I think, I think what almost every woman wants, when she is, is trying to, you know, get into her life again and figure life out after cancer or on the other side of cancer, you know, diagnosis and treatment is how to how to feel empowered again, how to take back a right. little bit of our sense of control, how to, how to take or back just our Just have power. the
2: information. Just have the information. And just have exactly someone be right. honest yep. and say, look, this is what can happen. This is what you yeah. can do, what you can't do. So I, I really want to thank you. For coming out to the show to, you know, make us aware because, you know, as I was saying earlier in the show, I know a lot of women that are going through these issues and they just don't know what to do because no one is talking about it. And then they think, oh my God, is yes. something else, you know, something wrong? They don't know that this is normal. It, it was, I don't want to say it's normal, but this, right. you know, is but a side effect. Uncommon right it's not uh-huh. in common, so yeah. they just don't know what yeah. to do so and like i said when yeah. i had my incident and i'm like oh my god what is wrong with me like what in the world you know oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's lymphedema oh yeah you know it's normally you get it in your arm but yeah you can't get it in your breast so okay i'm like oh mm-hmm. okay great thanks thanks for letting mm-hmm. me know <laughs> yeah exactly
1: so. exactly yeah so i that's that's what it's all about. the The program is a six week program. It's virtual, so that I can work with women anywhere, and it's all designed around empowering women within their relationship with their bodies. You know, as they move into um, as they move into the rest of life, and the community is an online virtual community. Um, it's it's run on its own platform, so it's its own website, and it's it's kind of set up like a Facebook where you have. You know, everybody's in it together, and there's groups and different topics and stuff. But it's the what, what I like about it is the only people who are in there are members of the community. So you don't have the distractions right. and the noise that you have on, on other social media platforms. Um, it is a paid membership, and I did that on purpose because I'm a member of a lot of the existing free online support groups of various kinds. And, you know, they have their purpose and time and place, and, and they can be really good in, for certain things. But I also believe that sometimes, you know, investing in ourselves, um, and and for those who are really committed to to participating and being a part of things, um, it can be a safe space where where we can talk about that. You know, there's opportunity to connect based on how far out from treatment you are. So that if you want to talk to someone who is uh, one to three years out from their treatment, because you likely are dealing with some of the similar thing, you know, fate points at, at that point of life, versus a woman who's 10-plus years out of treatment or, you know, five years out and is considering other questions. Um, and I and we also have spaces within the network where people can connect based on age, um, you know, so if you want to talk to people who are in a similar age group as you. Um, and then the other thing is we, I really try to take what I call a woman-first approach because there's a lot of great stuff out there for those of us in the breast cancer world, and, and there's a lot of great resources. But we tend to end up with these labels of patient, survivor, thriver, warrior and I don't I don't begrudge any woman who embraces those because I always say we get to do this however we want. This is our life, our experience and we can, you know, we can wrap ourselves in a pink tutu and put on pink boxing gloves or we can, you know, we're all black and hate the color pink. It doesn't however it works for you. But I but I think what's really important as we are moving forward in life is to remember that we are still women. We are women first. We are women who've who've had an experience with breast cancer and we are women who've been impacted by breast cancer. So within the community, every month we have a different theme and we talk about themes and subjects like skincare or intimacy or nutrition or identity. And we talk about them, things that matter to us as women. And then we look at them through the lens of how, how, you know, how we need to look at them because of our medical history of having a breast cancer experience.
2: That's wonderful. This sounds like a wonderful program. So if someone wanted to become involved, how can they do so? Sure.
1: Well, right now for the six-week program, I have a waiting list. Started. I will be running the, the pilot program at the end of July. It will be launched and, and open to register. It is a program you have to apply for because I want really want to make sure that you know, the, the, the women that I'm bringing into the program are going to get the maximum benefit and that what I'm doing is the right fit for them. Um, you know, like, like I talked about, it's, it's definitely geared towards women who are at, either at risk or at an earlier stage of lymphedema. Um, but so right now, you can go on my website, which is it's uh, amyhardle.com, my first and last name, just amyhardle.com. And you can actually go on the website, on the program page, and sign up for the waitlist. And then you'll receive information as it comes out as we get closer to the launch date with details about that. Um, and as far as the online community that is up and running right now, and you can also access that from my uh, pers- from the, the main website amyhardle.com. There's a community page, and I offer a two-week free trial, so you can create an account and come in and play around with us and see what you think and see if it's if it's a place that you want to hang out for a little while. Um, and yeah, and you're always anyone is always welcome to contact me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I am on LinkedIn. I'm not always as good at checking at that. Um, and my contact information is out there. You can email me at hello at amyhardle.com. So I'm I'm available in lots of ways, and I'm always looking to connect with women. And you know, even if we discover that for some reason the program or community is not the right fit with you, for you, I will do my best to answer questions and to point you in a direction to find something that is a good fit
2: great amy i want to thank you so much for coming onto the show to discussing uh, with us these issues i know that like i was saying earlier a lot of survivors just don't know what's going on they don't know what to do but thank you for letting us know that this is something that's common this is something that can be manageable there is help thank you so much for your organization as we are now it sounds like a wonderful program And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and to being of service to the cancer survivors. And hopefully we can have you back on the show again very soon.
1: Thank you, Cynthia, so much. And I'm just, I'm grateful to you for the opportunity. I'm grateful for you for doing this show and talking about things that matter to those of us who've been impacted by cancer, you know, whether it's breast cancer or, or another kind. And, you know, I think, I think your voice is so needed within our community so uh, thank you for doing what you do and thank you for letting me be a part of it and i would i would love to come back on anytime it's been a wonderful
2: night great thank you so much amy we will talk to you soon all right thank you bye-bye bye-bye you are listening to boob talk i'm your host cynthia rogers and we'll be right back after this brief break Welcome back. You are listening to Boob Talk, and I'm your host, Cynthia Rogers. Tonight, we discussed oncology massage and lymphatic drainage therapy with our special guest, breast cancer survivor, Amy Hartle, licensed massage therapist and lymphatic drainage therapist and the founder of As We Are Now. We would like to thank her for sharing with us valuable information and also sharing her breast cancer journey with us. On Boob Talk, it is always our goal to empower and educate. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Boob Talk with your host, Cynthia Rogers. Remember, never give up hope.